Hello and welcome to ConstructorCast, your AGC place for news, views, and interviews relevant to you and the construction industry. I am your host, Alan Gray. On today's podcast, we will talk about the move from hard hats to helmets, which is taking place throughout the industry. Joining us on today's podcast, we're pleased to have three special guests. Jamie Dabbs, Vice President, Safety, Health, and Environmental with TD Industries. Seth Randall, one of Park Construction's Regional Safety Directors. And Kevin Cannon, Senior Director, Safety and Health Services with AGC of America. Before we begin, I want to give our guests a chance to say hello. Seth, tell us a little about yourself and Clark Construction. Thanks, Alan. So, as Alan said, my name is Seth Randall. I've been with Clark Construction for about 16 years. Clark is a general contractor based out of the D.C. area, but we're a national company. You know, my job itself, we, I help oversee our infrastructure group, which is pretty much all of our self-performed work from Clark Concrete, Clark Foundations, Clark Water, Clark Civil, and a C3M, which is a high-traction electrical company as well. Thank you. Jamie, tell us a little about yourself and TD Industries. TD Industries is a mechanical subcontractor headquartered in Dallas, Texas. We've been in business since 1946. We're a servant leader-led organization with a large presence in the Southwest. Been with TD Industries for 15 years. I'm a graduate of Southeastern Oklahoma State University. Before coming here, I was with McCarthy Building Companies as well. And so my entire time in my adult career has been in the construction industry. Thank you. And Kevin, tell us about yourself. Thanks, Alan. Uh, Kevin Cannon, uh, Senior Director of Safety and Health Services with AGC of America. I've been with AGC for 13 years. A lot of my job responsibilities uh, involve working on safety and health policy that impacts construction, but um, also any other emerging issues uh, that come about, uh, such as the transition from hard hats to helmets and what I'm tasked on this particular initiative is helping to educate the uh, AGC membership on the benefits of the helmets. You know, AGC has not taken a position for or against this movement, but we want to make sure members are well-informed and individuals such as uh, Jamie and Seth are helping us uh, spread the word. Thank all of you for being here today and taking the time out of your busy schedules. And Kevin, I appreciate that. And I want to pose the first question to you. This movement, Hard Hats to Helmets, began a little more than a decade ago. What brought it about? AGC is also participating in another group under NIOSH, National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. And about 10 years ago, it was actually a uh, member of that sector council that brought this issue forward uh, as a result of an AGC member having a serious incident, a head injury. You know, I had a, a young man fall, not at great heights, but fell, struck his head and uh, suffered a traumatic brain injury. And that kind of got the wheels going with NIOSH conducting research and, you know, kind of helping the industry understand the benefits of these types of uh, head protection. So fast forward to 2020 and you started to see the hats pop up on the construction sites across the country. And now how it's referred to is fall-related head protection. Not only does it afford protection that the traditional hard hat did, but um, it also helps to provide greater protection in the event of a fall. Thank you. And this is for Jamie and Seth, both of you. What was the catalyst and why did your respective companies move from 
hard hats to helmets? Well, in 2016, we started dabbling into um, this kind of safety helmet journey. We picked up 50 in our Houston division, uh, implemented them in the field, and then the movement just didn't really pick up steam really across our industry. And then about two years ago, I was looking into this technology. I, I took our loss run since really 2014 and pulled out. There's really 11 significant events in which these helmets would have either lessened severity or completely prevented uh, some significant incidents. Took that data with, with my team. We got about 30 people between the safety professionals and key leaders. We put safety helmets on those folks. We added a QR code and started tracking a list of who volunteered or who was interested in upgrading their head protection uh, technology on kind of a ground grassroots ground up movement. And then, you know, within the first couple of months, we had 400 plus that had requested to move into these helmets. And so now we're, we're still on this, this journey. We've got about roughly a third of our workforce in them uh, so far, but you know, based on the type of work scope we perform, it's um, you know, no pun intended, but it's a no-brainer to improve that technology just because of the added benefits for life-saving technology in the fall. So, kind of Clark's journey starts about the same time frame as what Jamie had talked about. 2014, we actually had a manufacturer rep local to the D.C. area come on one of our projects wearing the helmet originally. I'll give him credit. His name is George Stallings with Cell Solutions. But he, he came onto our project wearing the helmet. And of course, the first reaction is uh, we all laughed and pointed at what he was wearing. I mean, it was definitely different from what everybody else on the project. What It was different than, you know, what I originally received when I first got hired on. And, and me as a safety professional, I mean, that was my reaction. In 2015, about a year later, we had a, a pretty significant fall, unfortunately, and a gentleman uh, fell only about four feet, but hit his head, was put into a coma. And uh, and it kind of changed the way we kind of viewed our head protection at that point, knowing that there was something better on the market that was shared with us a, a year before. And so at that point, you know, kind of what Jamie had said is uh, we had bought about 50 of them, put them out in the field. I wore one, uh, our, our division leader within Clark Concrete was wearing one, and then we had a second fall uh, off a trailer, and a gentleman's hard hat came off and he hit his head. At that point, we kind of said, what are we waiting for? There's no reason to wait, and within that year, we had bought about 800 helmets to, to fit out our whole concrete, our self-performed concrete group at that point. It wasn't until about six months after that I was doing a presentation, the president of our company kind of just poked his head in, listened to the presentation, and it was as easy as that when he had said, what are we waiting for? This is a no-brainer. Find out the logistics and let's go forward with it. And at that point, about six months after we initially did our first trial, Clark Construction, all Clark employees from West Coast to East Coast, which is about 3,000 employees, transitioned into the helmet. Wow. And, and so, Jamie, with your company, how did the upper management, how did you get them sold on it? Or would they do like Seth's company did? Well, I talked about those those lost runs and really some significant events that occurred over a, a pretty significant amount of time at TD Industry. So I, I took those um, and then I built out a about, about three and a half, four minute uh, leadership challenge video where I highlight some of the activities that occurred 
talk about some of the benefits, talk about the helmet technology. And they viewed that at our leadership council meetings that, that were in April of that year. You know, really just challenge the organization to live our core value and, and chase this SIF prevention technology. Yeah. Seth, you said, I believe, that y'all kind of snickered at the representative who wore it on the job site. How how did the transition go and how did your employees react to it when you brought them on and started moving toward it and getting getting your toe in the water? No, that's a, that's a good question, Alan. So, uh, yeah, when we did snicker and when we even when the employees were demoing the helmets, you know, their, their peers were snickering because it was significantly different than what we were used to the last 60 years. Right. I mean, it's a helmet with a chin strap. When we made the transition, at least with Clark Concrete on the initial 800 run, when we stopped all work, you know, for a good hour in the morning, we had executives and officers of companies on all of our projects. And we brought all of our field folks, and these are carpenters, laborers, cement masons. We brought them to the to location, and we handed the helmet and actually, you know, kind of explained to them why we were going into this uh, this direction. You know, we got some of those employees that didn't like it, uh, you know, but we kind of made it a not a question. You're going to be kind of wearing the helmet. What I loved about when we went as a whole company, as a Clark from West Coast to East Coast, when we made that transition we actually boxed up the helmets and put in a note. It was a note from our president, Robbie Mosier, of why we're going that direction. And we kind of made it more of a, it wasn't like, hey, this is what you're going to wear. This is why we're going to wear it. And we're going to make this day a special day for us as Clark and as well as the industry. You know, that's something I really do take pride with who I work for is leading the industry. I, I fully feel that we were the first general contractor nationwide to go to the helmets. And we wanted to make sure that day was special for all Clark employees. Um, and it was, you know, we, we led the industry and we were protecting our employees to what Jamie had said against the action about, you know, these stiff injuries and, and when falls do occur. Well, of course, the benefits to safety are, are, are apparent, but how about the appearance and how did they get the employees to appearance, the comfort? Did they retain heat and just in general, the wearing them, how burdensome was it, if any? Yeah, I don't mind jumping in there. I, all of us are fighting the look. So, you know, you definitely get some retractors on it. The fashion... <laughs> side of this uh, becomes problematic. The flat brim hard hat is very iconic and it is an industry that attracts some that I, I call it the last cowboys. You're outdoors, it's rough, it's uh, hot environments, it is cold environments, it's dynamic and you know they do push back and they do push back on look. That is going to be your biggest attractor as you try to implement any helmet program is just going to be the look of it. Yeah, I guess some um, motorcycle gangs have their colors in their vest. The construction worker has their helmet. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and, the, and the kind of continue on that, Alan, is, you know, you'd asked about comfort and you asked about heat. Now, you know, when we first started, there's probably only two manufacturers at that point, Cask and Petzl, that we actually had a chance to choose from. I mean, now you're looking at about 15 plus manufacturers have developed a helmet in some way, sort of fashion. So a lot of that has been changing. As of the hard hat versus the helmet, it's strange. If I would ever put a hard hat back on, 
It feels it's top heavy. It feels it's going to fall off my head. It, it just doesn't feel any type of protection going forward. And, and that, that was kind of like the, you know, the thought even a couple months after transitioning. A lot of those guys, if you put them in a hard hat, they don't like it. You know, they, they want their helmet back. And, you know, even some of the folks that, um, that leave us, you know, continue to wear their, hel- their helmets with other companies because that's their preferred head protection. Um, you know, and I, I just want to kind of tell you a quick story about, you know, that last cowboy thought process. And it, and it's true. I mean, some of the, the harder iron workers and so on and so forth that, you know, they have iconic fiber mesh helmets, the brown ones that you might see that all, you know, iron workers wear. It is very iconic. But as we had transitioned into these helmets, you know, they've kind of understood and see and, and you know, and, and agree to wear those. But as the last Cowboys, it was about two years ago, we hired a new college grad and I was talking to them and we got in a conversation about why did you choose Clark? Do you, you know, you had different offers from other general contractors. Well, why, why was Clark? And she said, honestly, and I said, yeah, give it to me. And she said, because you guys wore the cool helmets. And so, you know, thinking about the, the idea of, you know, those folks that have been in the industry, we always say 30 years, we have a new generation, you know, a new age coming through. And they see that the helmet is actually head protection, and that's what they want to wear versus a hard hat. So I always thought that was a cool story that stuck with me. Is it voluntary with both companies, or have y'all had to change administrative policies or procedures to encourage use? So we tried this grassroots movement. We start, certainly started that way. We've got multiple GCs now and multiple geographies that require helmets on projects, and so that. That's where we get our big jump from 400 to 600, 600 to 800 is these mega projects that are requiring helmets. And so it's, it's becoming more normalized. Um, but as far as like, you know, customer to customer, we have different requirements because we're in the subcontractor world. And so uh, we have some that, that don't care as long as it's a, a helmet. We have some with the Type 2. We have some with the EN standard. Uh, it's kind of all over the map for us. And, and how do subcontractors, are y'all pushing it down and with the um, partners on the job site? Yeah, no, that's a that's a, a, another great question is, you know, to Jamie's point, we actually made it part of our policy. That was the only head protection you were going to be given as a Clark employee. There was no other head protection available, and it was written into our policy that Clark employees were required to wear the helmet with a fashion chin strap. Um, you know, as of last year, May of 2022, uh, you know, Kevin, who was on the call, you know, joined us and actually um, at, at, during safety week in May, we announced, you know, as of August 1st of 2022, all subcontractor and clerk projects would be required to wear the helmet. So it's written to our contracts, our exhibits. And even as a company, we, we would uh, be willing to carry some of those lower tier contractors to put that number in their bid uh, to provide their employees with the helmets. So that kind of answers your question. I mean, we have about, I don't know, about 12,000, 13,000 employees working on projects nationwide, um, you know, and all those newer projects starting past August 1st are required to wear the helmet. And, and what's the cost difference between a hard hat and a helmet? Yeah, so it's definitely more, Alan. I mean, we are just used, so for so many years, we are used to wearing a hard hat that might have cost $8, $10, depending on how, how many you had bought at the time. Just again, the more you buy, the cheaper they come. You know, But yes, there is probably a 10x on the cost of a, a helmet first, a hard hat. 
But again, that, that plays with a lot of, you know, PPE that we, that, that we wear, you know, a, an ANSI 1 cut level glove versus an ANSI 5, you know, using a self-retracting lifeline versus a lanyard, there's a cost difference, right? And so I truly believe that it's based off a, a cost of a helmet that we've never changed for 60 years. And this is going to be a, almost a typical cost. And as I've taken time to be able to present on this information, uh, you know, one thing I always talk about, and I ask people to throw their feet up on the table, a lot of them were wearing Red Wings and some other, you know, brand shoes. Those are $200, $300 pair of boots that are, yes, keeping your feet nice and comfy. But as it comes to protection, relevant to cost, we're protecting the most important thing on our bodies with a $10 piece of equipment. So that's kind of what we, we always think about on our end. Well, and some of it's brand specific, right? So there's options that are like probably four times the cost of a traditional hard hat up to this like eight to 10 times range too. So. And, you know, Alan, I just want to jump in. We recognize from discussions with our GC members, our subcontractors, that the added cost was somewhat of a barrier for adoption. So we've worked with Milwaukee Tool, who's now manufacturing their own helmets, to, to offer a discount for AGC members who are either being forced to adopt policies because of um, whom they may be working for, or who are just taking that initiative and being proactive and moving to the greater head protection. So Milwaukee's been a great partner in helping address the cost issue. Yeah, and, and of course the, the cost will be offset by the enhanced safety. Do y'all have any stories or examples of, of where you know that this helmet made a difference in an incident? Yeah, I have a few uh, over the years, Alan, and, and one, that actually, well, there's actually two that really hit home to me. We were working on a project up uh, in Odington, Maryland, and uh, we had a laborer. He was in charge of, you know, cleaning out the landing between you know, two sets of stairs before a concrete pour. Uh, he was a big boy, about 240, 250 pounds. And as he was walking on top of the rebar, you know, he was protected by guardrails. He tripped and fell and he, you know, and and he fell actually through the guardrail, broke through the guardrail and fell about eight feet down to the concrete slab below. We hit the back of his head. EMS was called. I was actually on site, reacted to the incident. One of the things that came out of it was the helmet he was wearing. And when we looked at it, he actually had a, a good like six inch crack up the back of his helmet where he hit himself on the concrete slab. Now, he did have some injuries. He had some fractured ribs, some major bruising. But one thing that he walked away with is he never went unconscious and never had any type of head trauma. And to the point, we got to talking to him and we had asked him and he actually kind of did a, a narrative to us to share with our company about how he's truly thankful that, that Clark went to the helmet because he really feels it, it saved his life. And that was, you know, based on a fall. And, you know, and Kevin had said it, and he had fall, when he had said about these helmets going to more of a fall, reasoning for falls. Now, keep in mind, it's not just always falling from height, right? You know, kind of the second story that we had is one of our subsidiary groups at work for Clark was working on a, a public roadway and a teenager veered off into the work zone, struck him and flipped him over top of his car. And he was wearing the helmet and his helmet stayed on, cracked his head on the pavement. And once again, never had any type of head trauma because of it. And actually, you know, wrote us a letter thanking us because of the transition. And he said, you know what, if I had my old hard hat on, it would have been my head versus the pavement at that point. 
So, you know, when we get to thinking about why we wear helmets, it's, and we do relatively say because of falls, but it might not always be from height because you never know when you're going to fall. Yeah. Jamie, do you have any antidotes to share? Yeah, we had, so by April of 22, we have, you know, nearly 500 partners in, in helmets. And within just a couple of weeks post that, uh, that uh, time frame, we had a partner descending a, a straight ladder that four, four runs up, slipped and fell. I believe there would have been a head injury had we not had the helmet on. So I think we were very blessed that we had moved to them in that region before that time. What would you say to contractors who are considering moving in this direction but have not yet made the jump? I can tell you that I've challenged some locally in our, our DFW market through our local Texo group. I, I think we all should be moving there together. You know, I would prefer our GCs just require it on every job. It, it makes so much sense, and it is such a SIF risk reducer by moving to these helmet technology. I, I think we all should move there. I'm going to kind of echo what Jamie had said. Throughout the last seven, eight years that we've been doing this, and I've been talking about this and trying to help out companies you know, transition into the helmet, the one thing I would ask people is don't be the resistor, right? I understand that it might look different. It might cost a little bit more. But to echoing what Jamie said, it's proven without question, you know, when we're wearing hard hats and someone falls, typically the hard hat will fall off. And it's not designed to take any type of strike from the rear, front, or side. These helmets are. So if we're really looking for this full circle safety culture that we all want and need, you know, the helmet's, the helmet's a piece of that. Kevin had talked about AGC working with, you know, Milwaukee, and we're, we're trying to find a way to get rid of all the excuses instead of saying, no, we shouldn't, no, we can't you know, start asking ourselves, you know, how do we and, and how fast can we get into them? Okay, and the final question, Kevin, I'm going to shoot at you. Where can contractors go to educate themselves on this topic and learn more about moving from hard hats to helmets? Seth and Jamie were both uh, part of this process, as well as Nausea, who works with me in the uh, safety and health department. But we were approached by the American Society of Concrete Contractors. They are also behind this movement with the goal of increasing the use amongst their membership. And we share members, you know, between the two groups. And so they approached us requesting our support and assistance and building out a website that would contain those who are willing to share the various policies that GCs have rolled out, the standards that govern the manufacturing of these helmets, and just a, a little bit of a Q&A about it. So I'd say probably about three or four months ago, I worked with them, and they launched this website. And it's hardhatstohelmets.org. It's pretty much a one-stop shop for all the information that you might need. And there is acknowledgement of AGC involvement, which, again, extends to the help of Seth and Jamie in that effort. So that's a place that they can start. We have discussed building out our own website, but we've not yet gotten to that point. So in the interim, I think that's a good resource. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank all of you for joining us, Jamie, Seth, and Kevin. And to all our listeners, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. To everyone out there, we appreciate you listening. This has been AGC Constructor Cast. Please subscribe to Constructor Cast from your podcast app or stream all episodes from your computer or device at agc.org/constructorcast. If you found value in today's episode, 
please give us a rating and write a review. This will help others find the show. And don't forget, you can follow us on social media at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram simply by searching Associated General Contractor. Or you can use our handle, at AGC of A. Again, thank you very much for joining us, and stay safe.